Hi, my name is Faisal Qureshi, and in today's retrospective, we talk with Meg Santos from Enable Professional Services, and we discuss her experiences of working as a BA in IT projects. Hope you enjoy. We've got Meg Santos from, from Enable Professional Services. Um, you and I worked together, I think, when we were at Westpac for about, yeah. I think, three or four months. It was um, on a ServiceNow project. Um, so I thought, you know, look, the idea with this podcast thing, idea or series, really to talk to people about primarily about projects and project services, you know, BAs, change management, et cetera, and see, you know, what lessons um, we've taken out of the different projects that we've worked on, you know, what mm. works, what doesn't. So me, primarily, you know, coming from a, from a BA perspective, BA background, I think um, I've, I've, you know, I've done a lot of reflection, you know, what works and what doesn't, but at the same time, it's probably good to talk to other people who are in different positions, different environments, different companies, and just to get a feel for, you know, what they've been doing. And, and you know, because I think at the same time, there are a lot of people out there that want to get into either like a BA role or a PM role, et cetera, and they don't know how to, right, or, or what's mm. involved, in that, et cetera. So that's the idea, right? So I guess to maybe start off with, did you want maybe like do a, I don't know, a, a quick background on maybe the last, I don't know, five, seven years, five, ten years, and, and we'll take it from there. Sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, this is very exciting. <laughs> um, I think it's when I saw what you were trying to do, I was like, oh, okay, I can I'd probably speak around that because I came from uh, a BA background as well. But before that, I was, um, uh, you, you'll probably hear more down the track, but I came from a software engineering background. Um, oh, and then okay. from there shifted to testing and then shifted to BA. And from a BA perspective, it's, it's probably where I felt like the most at home. And that's mm. when I sense like, oh, okay, this topic is probably very close to my heart because I feel like being a BA is essentially, you can do that in any role in my mm. point of view, mm. um, because a BA is down to really someone who seeks to understand um, yeah. and not just first solve the problem first it's firstly yeah. being curious being um inquisitive and um trying to understand uh the challenge that's mm -hmm. that you're facing whether it be a project or a technical piece of work um and mm -hmm. having bas around is is helpful because i think bas help a lot in translating a lot of the technical mm -hmm. aspects to real business solvable problems so i yeah. thought you know I, I could really speak like a day around this topic and <laughs> the, the, what you're trying to accomplish here is around i guess giving people that um light that everyone yeah. can 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 change um careers at any yeah. point in time yeah. so yeah. but yeah. <laughs> back to me um so i'm now i'm the director of operations at enable so over the five five seven years is probably i really went deep into service now and consulting mm. yeah. before that so i started with um my career in service management or ITIL started with software primarily. So yeah. um, from testing and then went mm. to BA. And then yeah. from software, I then moved to a bigger company, CSC, um, DXC now. Um, yeah. And that's where I really appreciated beyond software, there's that process component. Right. And then there's also the service and business yeah. component. So I've got yeah. a lot to thank for CSC for the experience yeah. that I've yeah. I took on there and really met a lot of good people who I still remain close to yep. um, that really inspired me to go beyond, you know, technology. Mm. Um, 
and um, from that point on, I think I was able to develop more, um, I guess, skills in going beyond what's just on the on the technical aspects. And that's where I think I, I developed from um, BA, then started to do more consulting. Um, so, yeah. So, so just just on that, right? So I think there's probably two questions I want to ask there, right? So in and apologies for the background noise as well. Um, so was that was it a conscious decision to go into into the BA work, or was it just a happenstance that it just happened out of accident or by chance? Um, I think it was a natural progression for me because coming from software engineering. Well, maybe I'll start with because uh, my degree was economics, so oh, I, okay. I didn't really study uh, in IT, right? Uh, okay. yep. So economics is a very by itself by nature a very analytical subject yeah. matter so i'm very analytical and then i just happened to come through like my first job was in accenture my first proper job oh, um, okay. was in accenture and at that point in time they were hiring in manila is my first job um uh, after uni and uh, i was a software engineer and i really tried to really do the coding.net experience and I you know gave it my my but then I knew deep in my heart that mm, I prefer the client facing interactions right yeah. and then yeah. after that I moved to Australia after um, Accenture and then I thought you know what I could go and still continue with the software engineering or maybe I'll give I'll give something else a go and mm. I thought the, the, the easiest switch from uh, development is testing primarily mm. and then from mm. testing I then felt like if I was able to switch from um, development to testing, yeah, yeah, and testing is also about understanding requirements because obviously you need to. Yeah, <laughs> Naturally, yeah. I felt like a BA is the next piece that I wanted to try mm. on. Okay. And um, so yeah, so I guess in, that in, in the step of things, you're, in just, the cycle you're just sort of jumping. Of yeah, okay. Yeah. I get yeah. it. I get it. Um, and um, so there was you mentioned something just prior to that in. The, about um, so you know how you, you've gone into consulting, right? And you went into BA. So I guess from my side of things, I've I don't know if this is similar to you or not, but I, I used to work on hands-on provisioning, like you know, hands-on uh, Juniper, Cisco stuff, you know, mm -hmm. building service, et cetera, et cetera. And it didn't really um, gel with me that there's something I want to do long term, like mm -hmm. you know, you know, continuous you know certifications and studying. And it's just and to be brutally honest with you, it's not something that I was good at, right? Mm -hmm. So and so I made a I made a sideways jump into into Vocus, and, mm. one, and there I got the opportunity to go into into the BA work because Alcatel was I used to work in Alcatel, and there ITIL or, or provisioning or you know that whole um, you know support and request fulfillment processes were really mature. Mm. So I was able to bring that knowledge across and you know help them out with you know with Vocus, and so that's where ServiceNow was. Mm. Uh, being deployed, you know, first, like I said, you know, I can help you with this, da da da, da process of drawing, da, da and so they said, look, you know, you know, you seem to be okay with this. Do you want to do this full time? And so that's it was just a lucky break that I got to go right. into to BA work, um, and and I think from there on, you know, it's just been a um, it, it's been an eye opening experience because you're exposed to so many different things, right? Uh, so focus, it was you know, it was transformation projects. You know, company was buying out a lot of other small companies, there was a lot of integration work. Um, and then after that, uh, went into, got a chance to go into non-telco to like Cochlear. So that was yep. like, okay. Totally. I was able to different. jump industries. 
yeah. yeah, and then after that, you know, back in Telgram, and then into into Westpac, right? Right. So yeah. I think so. One of the one of the key things, one of the biggest things that I've seen with doing BA work, is you're able to jump across. Correct. Yeah. Industries, right? Different so industries. I think that's a huge plus as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you, you tend to become pigeonholed mm. if you do if you're in the one industry or if you're in the one line of work. So one, th- I don't know if the, if you agree with this. It's like I found when I was going to mentors to, for advice, for career advice, like like you know, almost 10 years ago, they said, oh, look, you know, you can go into project management. Mm. And I just thought, okay, as, when I learned more and more about it, I just thought it was really, it was very niche. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, like again, pigeonholing. Yeah, specific helping. purpose. Yeah. Yeah, like it's really, it just seemed narrow. And so if you become, like, for example, like a PM in, I don't know, infrastructure PM or a PM in data migration, you just tend to be doing. You tend to be doing the same elements because they would want to have people who have experience on the correct. same correct. Um, correct. technology or uh, background. Um, right. That's a plus, right? So right. yeah. Well, in BA, it's different. Like they they don't look for BAs and say, oh, we prefer BA who's only done banking or mm. BAs who's only done um, this piece of work, right? So yeah. yeah. And um, so I found that to be like really lucky to be able to to do that stuff so and so you know how you've moved into consulting and i'll mm. come back to being in a while i guess mm. but so that move into consulting i mean how what was the reason did you find it easy i mean how was that because of accenture work or no i think um so my first real proper go because even at csc it was it was not like your strictest consulting right we we we, we do a lot of managed service provider services yeah, yeah. so we do my role there was a ba um in the enablement team so um as part of this uh shared service that um csc would have with multiple clients we are a team that stands up those services technology wise um uh process wise and services wise as well um and then i thought this this thing that i'm doing at csc i could definitely like because that was remedy as well so um i wanted to really tap into consulting because that's something that i i felt like i haven't done before um, and when I say pure consulting, it's really, you know, independently going into a client environment, being faced with this mm, particular mm. Um, challenge or project yeah. that you need yeah. to turn around. Um, yeah. And then obviously they rely on your experience um, in the past to not just um, deliver the job, but provide a lot of advice. So mm. from CSCA, um, it helped as well that, you know, you already know a lot of people in the industry so i was able to move to i think it was rxp is my first um uh gig consulting i went to a telco company for almost a year and it was totally it was my first shot at a telco industry as well opened my eyes to totally different environment altogether and it wasn't even strictly remedy or service now it was Mm. about um standing up um, operational networks and back then it was 4g which is like whoa mm. <laughs> <laughs> um it was, uh, quite a while back right but it, it i really enjoyed it because at that point i met a lot of people that you're just so curious to understand because you don't know you don't have a lot of background how telco environments work so uh, that means you tend to unpack a lot of things more you don't mm. assume because you mm-hmm. actually don't know. Um, and then from RXP, that, that just led 
to other consulting um, companies that I, I was lucky enough to g- got the opportunity to to really try. Yeah. And so was that here in Australia or was that? Yeah, it was, it was all here. here. Okay. Yeah. So my here. only role in the Philippines was in Accenture. But since I moved to testing, um, that that was my first role in Australia and with a company called Infra which was bought with v- by VMware. And Infra is one of the, uh, I guess, top four challenger tools of Remedy back in the day. So that's when I started my ITIL um, oh, know-how, okay. but very yeah. much from a software centric, because obviously mm. we were testing software, which yeah. is Infra um, at mm. that point in time. So yeah. 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 Okay, cool. And and so in in the roles that you've had, since then so let's let's talk about um just the ba scope things right um was there any i mean were you across the entire life cycle of the ba work or were you just doing one particular thing and then moved on to something else later on i mean what what was that like um i got involved in a lot of in a multitude of different uh i guess aspects of the life cycle because i think um working in a bigger company you get the opportunity to 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 really meet the demand of that particular client at that point in time so yeah. that means you're working quite fluidly with whatever is going on um in the in the current demands of the of the market right so mm. there it wasn't like really focused on one um area uh but i think what i liked the most was obviously the, always the, the beginning stages of uh, a project where, you know, that's, that's exciting stuff, isn't it? It's exciting stuff where you're trying to really, I guess, drive a lot of energy into mm. what you're trying to do. And you're, you're gathering a lot of, I guess, information that will help you like form the solution that is well suited um, to everyone. And I think even a BA, the beauty of it is, you, you get to interact with different stakeholders. So um, at all levels as well. So mm. like, you know, the beauty of being BA is you, you, you could be in a two week time frame have 20 odd meetings from executive to a person who's on the desk. Mm. And they all mm. have different, I guess, challenges that they're facing. And, and, and they bring their own value to the discussion as well, isn't correct. it? Correct. Yeah. Different mm-hmm. perspectives to the solution. And I think um, when, when you're on the other side of maybe the development side, you, you kind of tend to focus on um, making the system work, right? But yeah. not forgetting yeah. really, not just the, the system is, um, I guess, passing the the technical requirement and you tend to maybe sometimes miss the user-centric yes, uh, perspective yes. as to what we're trying to do and why right yes yeah, um, yeah. I, I saw i think i i saw some of that when i was at vocus when we were trying to do um service now for uh, some of the operations guys i mean mm-hmm. they were giving us something to say look you know this is how we want it to, this is what we want and then at the same time we were uh, we were getting um you know, feedback because based on constraints of maybe either service now, we know what we can kind of do because timelines and effort required, et cetera. So it was always that, not always, sometimes that, you know, that thing, okay, you know, this is what we want, we can't do, da, 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 da. Um, but in the end, we, we, we got to it, and, you know, we delivered it, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, um, so 
I know from from my personal experience, um, the BA work that I've been involved in, it's it's varied. It's you know it's diverse. It's so much. There's so many different elements. And I think one of the key things that I've found is the I think what you mentioned just just then is is the stakeholder engagement is probably the key. Mm. That's probably the most important um, yeah. aspect of it, right? Um, it's, so one of the things I think that I was discussing with um, one of my ex-colleagues a while back, and, and we agreed looking at whether you're a PM or if you're a BA, stakeholder management is probably the the most important thing because everything else is te- is like a skill or it's a technical thing that you just go and do, right? So whether it's requirements gathering or yeah. uh, user stories or whatever, whatever. But it's if you're not doing that engagement properly, yeah. Um, and what's what's the word? Um, you know how you've got a stakeholder. Yeah. You may see them. You may have talked to them maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. Many, and if you haven't come to them again, they tend to run through the same thing again. You know, mm. the same same complaints, same issues. But and because you didn't do the regular, okay, mm. hey, how's it going? You know, so you just go and ping these people. It just tends to become an issue because you lose. Um, the engagement is that what you're trying yeah, to like yeah 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 i mean yeah, you, yeah because the engagement and and then they feel like they're not involved mm, oh, yeah. you know you didn't Correct. think about us um you know you didn't yeah you didn't just, consult them in this yeah that's so that's part of i guess org change management like the, when you have states so that means stakeholder they're going to be either directly using the the change the solution that you're trying to put forward with the team that you're working with or they are indirectly impacted, right? At one way or another. And, uh, you know, in OCM, the best way that you bring people, get their buy-in to the change is that they, they should be part of the solution. So from, from the very beginning, I think as a BA, we, we, we are the voice. We kind of, we, we are the voice of them. So you're basically the, where you're the, <laughs> the chain champions if you want to call yes, it that right? yeah. and then you're representing you're... the project to them mm. and at the same time you are representing them to the to the project Correct. um yeah. and that's where we well i say be um when you're a va you're kind of yeah. not in the middle right? right and i think that the the biggest i guess human skill i was watching the simon cynic um talk the other day and people call it soft skills but he said we should call it human skills fine mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the biggest uh, human skills is is really like engagement um communication um listening is critical isn't it because yeah. um if if you if you if you come across as a ba um with a with the need to speak and say i think it it the the purpose of the of the whole thing right as a ba you tend to like ask and there's no what's the word like uh you kind of have to portray a very not non-arrogant in a non-arrogant way like almost like you you don't know you don't understand help me understand what you're trying to say right so even if in the background you probably know that um well, firstly, this is going to be impossible sometimes, yeah. <laughs> what they're asking. Or secondly, um, you're the 10th person who's already told me this problem. I, I know of it already, but you, you want to mm. develop that mm. um, uh, relationship with that stakeholder. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. So that's part of 
the process. And it's like um, it's like breaking the ice. You know, you get to yes. because you build that rapport, they become more comfortable in explaining their problem. Where it's it's like I'm gonna stab you with my problem, and then it just becomes okay. I'm gonna hold your hand and okay, I'll, I'll explain to you. Like, you no, know, this is my pain points, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Yeah, 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 that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in so I've recently started writing posts on LinkedIn as well. I just said, look, you know, let's just try and daily posts. And and I mentioned in one of my posts, I had you know what I think are the key qualities of a BA. So you you've just covered one of them, which was you know listening is a key one, mm-hmm. and we we discussed stakeholder management is is another. Um, and I forget what the third one was now, but I wanted to go into another thing that is. In re- in regards to, um, and I'm gonna I'm probably gonna jump jump forward back and back a little bit, with with BA work right. So I I think without BAs you can't have a successful project, especially good BAs right. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's all you know about building that team. So if your core team is good, so you know program project manager and the BAs and some other SMEs, that's your your core group that helps you succeed right. Have you found instances in your experience where either there have been weaknesses, whether it's in the PM space or the BA space or even the SME space, and projects just haven't gone well because of mm. because of that? Yeah, well, um, not all projects have BAs. I think most do, but I think they are typically, um, as you said in that LinkedIn, but sometimes their value is is not appreciated enough um sometimes they're they're put in a project only in the beginning and then they kind of they're not uh there's still budget for them moving forward mm. right and um, they get rolled off into something else <laughs> yeah because from a very simplistic i don't know, um old traditional waterfall way of thinking ba is part of the uh requirements gathering and that's it and then you 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 define the requirements mm. for the stories mm. and then your job is done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, where I've seen it really suffer is when you have the BA uh, in the beginning and either he or she has done a good or average job and then after the requirements have been gathered, they kind of disappear in the project because it's moved now to the to the team who yeah. will develop it and then the yeah. BA is no longer there who has defined all of that of the That's requirements. Right. So there's no way to, no opportunity to really, um, I guess. Un- un- understand un- the context and whatnot, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you need that person still to, to you know, in a very agile world that we live in now and all the projects that we do, the person you engage in the requirements, they need to be brought in through throughout the project, right? Where in the past, um, they're in the requirements and they see the solution I don't know, six months down the track. And then they get a bit of a surprise and like, this is not what I, <laughs> I expected. This is not what I spoke to to the VA, yeah. right? So um, I think that's a lesson learned is to really make sure that BAs are there um, in the entirety of the mm-hmm. life cycle. Because from the cycle. beginning, um, stakeholder engagement, uh, defining those requirements clearly, but also, I guess, refining them, you know, because a requirement changes we live in a world now where your requirement a month ago would have changed today right mm-hmm. so you need a ba to make sure that that's tweaked and refined and groomed 
each time that the, the, the solution is being developed. So that way you don't get a big surprise. So the PM knows that the, the, the stakeholders or the customers are in the journey and really ticking the box along the way. Mm. Um, and I think from an OCM piece, BAs um, play a very big role as well because yeah. You know, they kind of manage the stakeholders' expectations as well, because throughout the journey, I think as as a BA, you 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 are championing the change. You're kind of managing them into what can and can't be achieved as well in the project, right? And yeah. um, when you have a strong BA, you're able to br to bring the stakeholders in that whole life cycle, so that at the end they see a lot of um, alignment in what mm. was achieved and what they have mm. um, asked mm. for in the very beginning. So. And um, so just two things on that. So you talked about um, the OCM team, which is in organizational change management. So the stakeholder engagement is probably the one thing that, I, that yes, we know about. And the other one that, which I was personally involved in, in, in mm. our previous project was, was standing in front of the actual users and telling them about what it is that we're trying to do, right? Yeah. So you're giving brown bag sessions to different stakeholders, you know, all different teams, you know, whether in organization, you know, team A, team B, et cetera, right? And so without, and if you, if you're, and if the BA is not well versed or not involved from the outset, that context is not there. And mm. then the knowledge that they gain from the um, conversations and, and the requirements, et cetera, just builds on top of that. Yeah. And so the thing that you mentioned, okay, you know, ideally you want them to be involved all across the life cycle, right, of a project. Yeah. When a project finishes <laughs> and it goes on to... Uh, like adoption, yeah. Yeah, adoption, in, and then post, you know, enhancements yeah. and, you know, that yeah. whole post-project cycle. And if the same BA is on, not there either... Yeah, correct. Again, yeah. The, 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 the team or, you know, they, they suffer, oh, but, but why do we have these stories in, the, yes. in our backlog, you know? Where do they yeah. come from? Yeah. And so... It's it's an interesting one that I think that which I think which I've I don't know if you agree with this but teams tend to um, miss out on that or or ignore that important facet of we need to keep big time right yeah um, and you know this is something that probably something that I really really want to get right um, in in a pro a lot of the projects that we do especially from a consulting perspective because the the this the success starts from day one it's actually not during the project right like the success of the solution starts from day one and it's more people use it and then more people realize oh okay this is really how it's going to apply in my day-to-day -day. um bas are typically uh, budgeted for in a project setting there's no operational ba like like mm -hmm. there's no role that you're a ba for uh, a department that just does this, right? Like usually mm. you're part of a project. And then mm. when the project ends, um, the tendency is for the the, the 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 stakeholders, the users to kind of figure it out um, post the project. And mm. then there's always that question of, is that it? <laughs> mm. Is that it? So is mm. so all the things that we like that six month project, for example, um, and then the project team goes away, and you're kind of left to your own devices to work out um, the solution that you know most of the time you're only twenty percent involved in because most of the time it's the project people who kind of yeah. deliver it all the way, right? So yeah, yeah. I think it's important that. Um, in a in a project environment, there is a lot of I guess touch points post the actual release, 
um, that needs to be planned for um, yeah. to make sure that the users are really bought in um, to mm -hmm. the to the to the solution from an operational um, perspective. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, and that's play a role there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was looking for touch points. Yeah, doing that regular <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that was the word. Um, and so we often go into projects, for example, where you know you think it's going to be an ideal solution or an ideal uh, product, whatever, right? But then you know, as you know, things happen, right? Risk yeah. issues, timelines. Oh, we can't do it because we've discovered something else. Da, da, da. Yeah. And it ends up being a, an MVP. Yes. As, as an example, right? Yeah. Whether it's an MVP from the beginning or if it's an it becomes an MVP in the middle. Yeah. Um, so have you had? I mean, what are your thoughts on on that? And you know, what have you seen in your yeah, I mean, it, it is always a challenge in IT, especially now that uh, I think like businesses want to transform so quickly, right? Um, so I think it's either you have a humongous amount of money to, to, to source a lot of people to deliver something in, in two months or three months, right? But if, in order to meet a schedule, typically you have to start from an MVP approach. And that minimum viability theme is always interesting because who wants to 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 just get the minimum, right? So, um, and I think it's always a challenge for projects to take it through the next phase and really find the next um, kick off the next phase too, right? Because I think um, uh, the the challenge with the MVP solution is you work through, you need to manage the expectations from users that you can't achieve everything in this MVP solution. And then you have this backlog, right? So as you yep. said, like the big enhancements of change backlogs. Mm -hmm. When does that happen? And there's, there's typically you start with an MVP, but there's no clear definitive plan for a phase two. Um, and that's when it kind of falls over because um, an MVP is meant to be MVP, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um, and it's it's also meant a good project is also meant to enable the teams to to grow with the product, right? So that mm. means um, it doesn't. I, I, I think I think it works. I think it works well in in an, in this whole agile. You know, if you're doing agile development from a software perspective, you know, you're delivering an MVP and you sort of just build on it, right? Mm. But I think in in the things that I've seen is a project definitely has a has a hard deadline right because mm. that's the scope that you're working on yeah. um and if it and if there's no plan to do plan like a phase two or a phase three or whatever then it just becomes okay we're now just going to give it to our mm. operations guys to do right and i think that's where i don't know if you if you've seen this but the end stakeholder struggles to mm. to appreciate what it is that they're getting and to believe in the potential, yeah. if that's the way to put it, like, you know, what's the potential going to be in or how great it can be yeah. after you've you know, put some more work into it. But, and it, it sometimes happens, it sometimes doesn't. And um, I don't know if, if you've seen that as well. Yeah, I think maybe because the industry I've been in is very much um, changing, right? Like there's always new versions, new features, new capability that is developed. So it is a, it's kind of a bit of a loss to 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 the customer if you don't really plan for the next stages of work. But I would think there's also industries where you have a project in, 
um, I think a good MVP will will stack up. Um, I think it's because you and I are probably in IT. Like there's mm. always that you know next evolution and next change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about how you enable the teams, whether it be a phase two project or a phase three project, or them themselves to be able to adapt to the moving pieces in that in that product. So for example, mm -hmm. let's just use ServiceNow because that's the one that we both were part of, right? Um, after a phase one project, if there is a strong um, team that uh, has been developed throughout the project to develop their own capability in, in ServiceNow, you may not need a phase two because that means you've brought in and grown that team as part of the project. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the um, like ServiceNow is driving to that as well, like, you know, with the whole citizen developer program and low code development and allowing people to really, you know, get their hands dirty in the mm. solution because mm. um, I think getting... You're trying, on... trying to empower the, the end users, yeah. I guess? Yeah, yeah mm. empower the end users um, and give capability in the product that allows end users to do that as well and yeah. sort of uh, govern their own um, operational processes so yeah so just on that have you has that been successful or has it been effective in your experience has that has that worked um, i think not always <laughs> not always I it's, think... it's something that i don't i think it's still a little um not mature or it's, it's a new idea is would... it is relatively new and i think um typically it's the, the the people who take on the solution, it's not really their own, I guess, business to know ServiceNow. Like they use ServiceNow as a platform to help them in what they're trying to achieve in their business. So the actual talent that they have in their own businesses are not ServiceNow and they don't have any potential interest to, to grow that, right? Mm -hmm. So that means the people who are in operational roles have jobs that don't lean into ServiceNow development, right? So they would always rely on a partner and mm. a consultant mm. and a third mm. party to to help them. And mm. some um, companies like, you know, develop their own um, BAU team and admin team, but it, it, they always are thinking about whether that's uh, uh, in comparison to having a third party, what's the most, um, I guess, viable solution for us yeah. um, cost-wise, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So in line with that, I just want to go on to another thing, right? So what's what's your opinion on the importance of roadmaps? <laughs> because especially IT, so I mean, coming from an IT background, right? so um, when I was at Vocus, I saw uh, the, like having a roadmap or, you know, a plan, roadmap, it's probably, you know, an architect makes a roadmap, right? So yeah. how are we going to get to either the integrations or et cetera, et cetera. And it played a it played a critical uh, role um, in the success of what we were trying to do. So, and I think I've seen in my again in my experience I've seen a bit of a, a hit and miss mm. with something where something is clearly defined and it's, and it's well understood versus something which is just a little fuzzy in terms of what we're trying to do. And so so I would consider, I mean I don't know I'm the one who's meant to be asking the question I'm, I'm just giving you the answer. Uh, did you? Do you find that um, actually? What's your opinion? Like, have how have you seen it? How have you found it? We'll go from there. <laughs> um, it's very important to have a vision of the 
program, right? And I, when I mean a roadmap, that's not necessarily just like achieving what this project is intending to do in the project charter, but going beyond that, right? So, because yeah. um, so there's, ro- there's a difference, right? So, I mean, there's yeah. a there's a project plan, and then there's a there's the roadmap, right? So, did you do you want maybe just do a a differentiation and or a definition of, of the two or yeah like in a simplistic term like a project has a definitive goal right and it mm. like a defined set of objectives right that's uh like intended to to really um hit hit uh the business drivers for the for um for the for what the sponsor is trying to achieve for that particular project. But a road map sets the direction, which is typically aligned to what the business is trying to do. Mm. Um, and so that means it may not necessarily have a very finite end date. Um, it's future looking um, and it's typically longer. So where you're, you have a project is less than a year, I think both of us are now in, pro- I, I haven't been in projects more than a year now. Nobody does that. I hope oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's more, um, a roadmap is anything that's gone more than two years, right? So what would you do on the first step? What's the most, what's the priority um, at this point in time? And then once you do that foundational aspects, um, how could you t- turn that foundational solution yeah. to the next phase? And you could and also... Yes, so you're gonna go on, go on. Um, you could also start to use that, I guess, bigger roadmap of program of work to connect all the projects yeah. that sort of form part of a bigger portfolio of work, right? And I think um, the beauty about having a clear roadmap is that your stakeholders understand where they fit in and where should they expect this from which projects, right. um, because sometimes from a project lens it's very i don't care about that project or that Mm. piece of work that's Mm. not in scope of what i'm trying to do but at the end of the day if you're a stakeholder you do care about all of them right because Mm. they all have a lot of i guess integrating intersecting um uh needs uh, as a user so there's value that's gonna that may not be directly relevant to you but ultimately some of it will actually flow on to either your department or your area right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um so okay so that's i guess that's covered that's covering the it roadmap side of things um from a if we go on to the the projects space into the project management space i mean what's your experience been with um let's say good projects versus not so good projects or mm. and what do you have any examples that you know you, you want to share Mm, I'm very lucky to have been part of some big projects and there's also small projects. Some I led myself, um, some I've been just a, a pleb, like part of the, yep. uh, the, yep. the role. And I think um, all different aspects are the, the ones that I felt was really successful are the ones that have uh, good structure and very good um, sponsorship by executive leaders. So. That means from the get-go, you have people from uh, that level really championing the Mm -hmm. intent of that Mm -hmm. um, project through and through. That means you tend to remove a lot of, uh, I guess, roadblocks along the way because... um, Because it's coming from top down. It's coming from the top. um, And then I think that helps a lot in 
in the change aspect of, of a project because as people, nobody wants change. Um, mm-hmm. But when people understand the drivers for it clearly, um, I think it's there's the energy, the positive energy and positive motivation for mm-hmm. everyone within the project and also outside the project to get that going. Um, so that's very important, I think, to get that right from the get-go getting the right sponsorship from the right people, um, making sure that there is governance or structure in place around decisions that need to be made um, throughout the course of the project, which typically, you know, a, yeah. a, a project and a good PM should be able to navigate through. Mm. Um, I think the challenge is when you don't have a clear sponsorship from the beginning. Um, yeah, you kind of lose track of how you would uh approach certain decisions so yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. okay awesome um i know we're probably close to out of time we're we're hitting 40 40 minutes so (laughs) my idea was like you know maybe we'll we'll keep it to around the 40 to 45 minutes so um i guess just maybe the last question or so is in your current role and i know you're um you've got a i think your role is now director of operations yeah i moved on to a to a different role now in operations, which is very much, I mean, I still do customer facing um, aspects, but majority of the role is now internal. Um, so leading operations oh, okay. for a consulting company, which is enable as you know, yeah, so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so one of the things that I wrote about recently was how people go, like the, the, the potential to go from operations into, into a PM or a BA or, or, you know, change environment, right? Um, what would your advice be to, to someone who is in that boat or category? What should mm. they do or what what to look out for? It? So what's, what's your advice? Um, I think my advice, I mean, it, you could argue it applies to people moving into operations or moving from operations to BA work. Like my advice is to always... I guess, seize the opportunity. I think that like throughout my career, um, it's not something as well that I've really like planned, like really mapped out in some sort of shape or plan and long-term vision. I think I felt like where I am today is because I've always really uh, like just seized every opportunity that's in front of me. And I think every every interaction that you have with a person in any level in an organization matters. So I think um, that helps a lot in your integrity in your in, in the work that you do. And because you 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 have time for everyone and really connect well with people, I think um, it helps you rally people towards whether you're a BA, whether you're a developer, whether you're a PM, it just gets you uh your people to to really gives you a lot of influence i suppose in in Mm. leading a lot of things and Mm. i think um my last advice is you could be a leader i guess in any role um and i Mm. think sometimes people tend to get too constrained with um that's their titles Mm. um because when i was a ba i i 100% 100% sure I wasn't just doing BA role and mm. 100% I'm not just doing when I was a PM just a PM role either or my role now is not purely in operations I tend to be 
um, I guess, approaching things the way they need to approach it, being very adaptive to what's in front of you, to the people that you need to engage with. And I yeah. think that's a, the skill that yeah. kind of matters in this mm. day and time. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be too constrained about the title. I guess uh, build trust in all the your interactions yeah. with people yeah. is important. Yeah. Yeah. And just always don't hesitate for 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 the next opportunity. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree, I agree. And I think um, um, looking for opportunities is probably one thing. Um, and I think the key thing, one of the things that I found was just, you know, just to put put up your hand, like, you know, help out wherever mm-hmm. you can, right? And I think yeah. that's what sort of builds your reputation yeah. amongst your peers or managers. In case, like, you know, this guy is, is keen or he wants to help out, et cetera. And slowly but surely some other doors tend to open in the future, open. right? And sometimes you put up your hand. Sometimes it's also just to ask questions. Like, I think some people just i guess don't ask because they're not it's not in their remit remit or in their i guess lane mm. I, I feel like in my entire career no one has really like i it's i've never come across where it's like ooh, i sh- i wouldn't ask that because i'm only a ba and i shouldn't ask that so i felt like um asking questions politely um, yeah. at the right time in the mm. right avenue in the right mm. forum is always important because that mm. shows others that you you care to know and you care to understand so yeah. Yeah. um yeah 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 awesome awesome so thank you meg um if you what i'd like to do is maybe have you again on the future have you on again <laughs> in the future i think i think this for me it's been a, a good chat good um, chats, good because we didn't uh, practice no, this is not a practice run. This is like, you know, it's the first time I'm doing it. So yeah. um, the idea that I, I would like to have with, you know, starting this uh, is really just to explore different areas. So like, you know, for example, you know, PMs and BAs, et cetera, speak to different people. And mm-hmm. then I think in the future, go on to, you know, maybe do a deep dive in, say, specific, for example. In a specific area. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe whether it's systems or integrations, you know, it's, you know, what is, for example, what does the change management person do? Yeah. What do they look like? And then maybe also different industries, right? So we covered a little bit about, you know, IT yeah. side and SIPs now, but I think that's something that um, we can have a look at in the future. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, I had a good time in my very boring Sunday while in lockdown. <laughs> that's right. So we're, we're in lockdown and, and obviously I'm here in lockdown as well, but um, who knows? <laughs> Maybe in the future when lockdown. Maybe is... in the future we could do it face to face. Yeah, And maybe change the background a bit with the, some, uh, you know, coffee or something. But That's yeah, right. look, I had a good time and thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our chat. It's very rare that you really get to say things like this. Like you don't really get to share a lot. Of, think of even reflect on these things. To be mm. honest, in your mm. day today i suppose so i think what i noticed with you is you're very reflective which is a very good um skill set as well like you kind of you're very you pause and reflect and try to learn from that previous experience so yeah, exactly i mean trying trying to do that i mean it's it's not always it, it i think it's it everyone's different right so everyone has their own nature and so i guess we didn't we didn't really cover on this like you know if sometimes you're an introvert you're an extrovert you know, yeah. that's, you know that whole i forget the you know wherever where, which the in which quadrant yeah, yeah 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 right yeah. so and then that has a that also plays a um 
can be an input into how you behave or how how you behave how with others. How people right? behave. I mean, we yeah. can do a specific topic just on that, like yeah, yeah. how you kind of um, try to before understanding the talking about the work, the job is actually understanding the person and right. empathizing and where he's coming from, what's his her his or her personality, how could you bring him in, what's his style, what's his communication style, That's and right. those are things that sort of again not taught very easily in a lot of books but just through experience you kind of know that if I engage this person the way that he wants to be engaged the, the, mm. the better our relationship would be throughout the project so yeah, yeah. could take an hour as well yeah I thought we, we could just keep going on and on right <laughs> so, that's been awesome so thank you so much um, and we'll hopefully we'll, we'll talk to you again in the future